59-9. How about that? USC covers another large spread we're going to get to it. The preseason is over. We talk what looks good and what doesn't. And what's next? Speaking of looking good, look at Adam J. Maya. Ooh. The big brain behind Yahoo Sports. Check out the big brain on bread. Rivals.com. Why are you laughing over there? Welcome to the Trojansports.com podcast. That kicks off. Thank you for the language. Right now. Right now. Trey Madden is in the backfield. He fakes the handoff to Madden. Winds and throws over the middle of the field. Looking for Juju Smith-Schuster. He's got it to five. He's in the end zone. That's a touchdown, USC. I thought Cody was better tonight. Much better tonight than he was last week. I thought he was really decisive in his reads. I thought he was really accurate. You know, I love the fact that we threw the ball deep. You know, he had a couple drops really in there as well. So his accuracy was good. Just thought he had a better week of practice with his feet. And in turn, led into him playing better. And there we go. 2-0. USC beats Idaho by 50. Welcome into the Trojansports.com podcast for this Monday, the 14th of September, 2015. I am Chris Morales. He is Adam J. Maya, the beat reporter for Trojansports.com. And he is Chris P. Swanson, the publisher of Trojansports.com. Boys, how was it Saturday night at the Coliseum? Wait, wait, did you bet on this game? Did I bet? Yeah. No, I bet a sack of potatoes. How about that? Mm, you bet on game one, though. I did, and and we're going to get to action for Game 3 against Stanford because that spread is out. We'll talk about that. But, okay, okay, did you have a bucket of potatoes with you, a, a sack of potatoes with you Saturday night at the Coliseum? Are you, do, are you getting what I'm doing, Adam, Idaho potatoes? Yeah, it's I, a I, good I got bit. it. It's a good bit, Morales. I Thank like you. Have you even been there? I've been to Moscow. Have I ever been to Idaho? Yeah. No, I didn't, but I have been to okay. Spain. Anyway, um, so at <laughs> Moscow, why did you go to Moscow? That's where you go when you cover the – Washington State game. Oh, unfortunately, I, I, I see what you're doing. Uh, Don't cover that game. So Saturday night, Coliseum. Yeah. I think we were there. Fifty points. Yeah. How was it? Uh, okay. Well, it was good for USC. Um, it was exciting, right? I mean, they dominated. Yeah. I don't yeah, know what we a- learned yet. It's hard to know that with a game like that. I think we learned a few things, though. I think uh, I think we learned that the O line can respond to some adversity. You know, it's yeah. hard to call these first two games. You know, to say there's any adversity in them, but the offensive line kind of got you know beat up a bit by Arkansas State. They gave up some sacks. You know, they weren't dominant in in the run game, running guys over where you would expect them to kind of you know take care of a Sun Belt team. That's what you'd expect the advantage to be would be in the trenches against Idaho. You know, they they beat them up. They they responded. They kicked Idaho's butt kind of in the trenches. You know, Cody Kessler wasn't touched yet all day. He was able to throw the deep ball, uh, you know, elephant-sized holes in the running lanes for, uh, you know, Rojo and Trey Madden, Justin Davis, all those guys to run through. It was just a, a big day for them. And, um, it, you know, I was impressed. I was impressed because they're young, and you're not sure that they're going to do that yet, and they did it. Yeah, they did exactly what they should. And not everyone else did. You saw what happened with Auburn going to overtime with Jackson State. Uh, I think that's who they played. And those games can get weird. And this is the kind of game that you expected or that you wanted to happen if you're a USC fan that you come to expect from, you know, the last decade. But it's still game two. So... It doesn't mean that, you know, they're going to win a national title, 
But if they don't win like this, then you know they're not winning the national title, right? Yeah. So, no, that's, that's, I think anytime you know you're beating a team by 50 points and they're in the FBS, you're proving that you know you you could compete for something. You you're one yeah. of those teams to watch, uh, you know, throughout the season. And USC. Yeah, I I learned one thing. I learned that these running backs can dominate. It, it's hard to know when you're looking at them through training camp. You have an idea. I've thought highly of Justin Davis for a long time. Trey Madden has looked good from day one of fall. But Ronald Jones might be better than both of them. <laughs> uh, and who knows? But you have to play him. You have to feed him the ball. He has to be involved. He's so exciting. I don't have a good comparison for him. I, I made that point in one of my uh, five takeaways from the from Saturday night. And I know I guess I upset some people when I mentioned Reggie Bush because people are comparing with Reggie Bush. I don't think that's a good comparison. I think they're very different. And I think that Ronald Jones is more versatile as a tailback. I think his tailback instincts are a little bit better. I think that he has a little bit more range. And I'm probably going to get blasted for this, but that's what I see in him. He's uh, a longer athlete, long-limbed. And Stark talked about it. We, I asked Stark. I didn't want to mention Reggie Bush. I just said, Stark, is there anybody that, that he reminds you of? And he says, I don't know yet. Give me a little bit more time. He's very unique because of the way he can be explosive and be a one-cut guy in tight quarters and an open up his stride and be a 200-meter runner in the open field. And I'm paraphrasing him here, but he basically said those things where Ronald Jones is like a chameleon. And Reggie Bush, you knew that he, he needed open space. He was trying to, to juke most people. He also ran very tough. You know, Reggie wasn't soft, but I just don't feel like he had all the running acumen that Ronald Jones has. I, uh... I, I hate to to kind of take you, uh, your side on a you know on a controversial topic involving a, a guy <laughs> that I think that you know kind of uh, made USC even more of a national brand than maybe they were before you know when Reggie Bush and yeah. Ronald Jones I feel like is is different in the way that Reggie Bush is a guy that that is so dynamic because he can do so many different things in the offense. Ronald Jones is just a guy that, that takes his versatility as as a runner to the next level because he can kind of be that in you know in between the tackles sort of runner. I think that's where Reggie, you know, that's the one part of his game that he didn't have. Yeah. Um, but I don't Jones isn't, you know, running down field on the streak and catching a you know a pass like a receiver either so you know what i mean yeah. we're not, not oh, yeah. saying jones is better he's just different right um, i, I want to say that too but, i'm not saying that he's better yeah he's uh, what, what i see of him is i see a guy that when he puts on more size he's everything you're gonna want out of your running back like at the next level even I know it's early in his career, and like maybe he won't reach that potential. But I really think that I, I look at Jones and I see an NFL running back in the future, and like a highly yep. drafted one. You know, yeah. his progression continues. It's easier to see it with running backs early, I think, in their college career. And he's a guy that you know USC hasn't had a a, a guy a like that in quite some time. Yeah, a guy that's 
that I would even say is I see is like, oh, he's an elite, elite running back in the future that's going to be like, you know, like a maybe a high draft pick even. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I see too is that I, I watch him now a couple games and I'm thinking he looks like he'll be better than in the NFL, a better running back than Reggie. But better college player, I mean, I, I don't even want to go there. Reggie was one of the greatest college football players of all time. You can argue he was number one. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm not. Even No matter what Jones does in his career, you're not going to say that uh, he's better than Reggie Bush. You know what I mean? It's just, we just don't know. Just it, he's played two games. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying, right. even if even if he does everything and he breaks all of Bush's records, it's just I think at a certain point you're just a legend and you're a guy that it's just like a conversation yeah. where it's like we're comparing to like of the you know best players ever or whatever, and it's not there's no realness to it. Or now, Adam J. Maya, I mean, you do have a well-known man crush for Reggie Bush, though. I mean, if your top five man crushes, I would say Reggie Bush is still number one, right? No. No? You know, Adam and the Kardashians kind of agree on their taste in athletes, <laughs> from what I've noticed. Uh, well, there no, you go. Uh, I, I was confused because of your Twitter cover photo. That's all. I've seen Adam's New Jersey Nets uh, jersey, you know, the throwback for Humphreys. seen it. <laughs> right. Yeah. The throwback for Humphreys, man. You and, uh, you and Kim. No. If we're talking uh, NFL players, running backs, Adrian Peterson. That's my guy. But what I, what I love about Ronald Jones, similar to what I loved about Reggie a decade ago, I don't know yet like how good he will be. He, he's so exciting. He's so fascinating. I feel like there's a, an unknown ceiling is the best way I can phrase it. I agree. I agree. But let's, uh, let's talk about some of the negatives. You want to move, I kind of want to move on some Concerns. of the negatives. Concerns. Okay, concern. Yeah, you can't really say it's a negative in a fifty-point game. I guess. Yeah. But you know, what I, mean? I mean, there's just there's just a couple things that you know. We I think we've talked about this too, Adam. Uh, in in the off season, is this is a similar team to last year? They might be you know more mature in certain places. They might be expected to have grown or you add some depth and maybe they'll do better. But they're similar to last year, I think, in some areas that, that I'm still hoping, you know, I know Trojan fans are hoping to see them kind like of improving. I'm going to, the the pass rush is one thing that these yep. with these two teams, uh, I know that it kind of seemed like both, you know, Arkansas State and Idaho, they weren't going to let their quarterback stand in the pocket too long and uh, kind of risk them to, to what could be coming if, uh, you know, there was a blown assignment up front. But, you know, gosh, uh, after last season when they just didn't rush the passer at all and, and they said that they couldn't because of their inexperienced secondary and they had to help them and how much that was going to be different, you know, I was expecting to see blitzes, guys flying in at 100 miles an hour from all different angles and, you know, just just blowing stuff up in the backfield and we didn't really see that I don't know if they can do that and that was my feeling throughout the offseason I know that we want to see more pressure and we can figure that if they approach it schematically a certain way then there'll be a wave of pressure but I don't know if this defensive line has it in them they have a lot of newcomers, so that can change maybe by the end of the year, 
and definitely moving forward. But I guess I still question whether they can create a consistent pass rush. But I think one concern I would have would be third downs. They were poor again. Now start pointing out that they were 0 for 3 with their their primary unit. Because they did platoon a lot and they were playing a lot of other people by the middle third quarter and entire fourth quarter. But they were 0 for 3 with that first team. And it's weird because Cody Kessler's completion percentage is about 80%. And then you look at the yards per carry of the running backs and Trey, Justin, and Rojo are all about, I think, about 10 yards a carry, the three of them combined. So how does that happen? Well, um, the thing, though, that Sarf pointed out, too, that uh, besides that it was just 0 for 3, was that they actually got close to making it, like, 2 for 3. Cody Kessler made a bad decision on his rollout where he should have just ran the ball and they they would have been one for three. So that's a, that's a, a a throwaway right there. And then the other one he mentioned was Cody Kessler scrambling on third down and getting it to like fourth and short. And then they converted that fourth down. So I think that people, you know, you're going to look at that statistic and be concerned because last year they, they did have, you know, problems converting third downs and it's actually been, you know, something that's been going on with them for a while. Uh, you know, since, you know, the Lane Kiffin era, even. Well, so, I have a theory. I okay. Have a theory. Shoot it out there, man, because I have one, too, but I want to hear yours, <laughs> and uh, and then maybe I'll edit mine a little yeah. bit. Okay. Sark said yep. that they need to stop looking for the perfect play. Now, that's probably part of it. They're getting a little bit too caught up in the, the down and distance and not just continuing to push the tempo. Because we see them on first and second down, and they've been awesome. But they do find themselves, you know, in an occasional third and long. Everyone does. But I feel like Cody Kessler needs to let go of his fixation with his primary receiver. I felt like that was an issue last year with Nelson Aguilar, and I think we're already seeing it where he's a little bit codependent with Juju Smith. And so when you get to a third down and you're so consumed with one receiver, then you're not as comfortable and you don't trust going to somebody else or making that second or third read. And if Juju's not available on third down, you're in a bad spot. I think that's a good point. Um, I I think it was kind of clear in this game in this last game against Idaho you know where it's a game where almost every receiver on the roster is going to have a mismatch against the guy covering them and they can't yep. do- and Idaho can't double cover every receiver right on USC so somebody's going to have a one-on-one um, <clears throat> Kessler com- completed I think it was 26 passes and Juju Smith accounted for 10 of them uh, you look at that further and this, the receiver that had the second most receptions was the Dory Jackson with four. And they were four he only, designs. He only played six plays. And yeah. he had four catches. So the, those were yeah, all four. All, they were all designed, too. It was clear when I was looking through the footage, yeah. you know, before I put it up, they're all like screens or that, you know, that reverse where that was a pass, but basically, right. you know, it was a right. run. 
Um, and then everybody else you look in, it's like Stephen Mitchell, two catches. Darius Rogers one catch. That was the screen as well to the outside. Uh, the tight ends only had one catch each. Uh, and then I think, too, you started seeing guys get catches when Juju had already left the game and Kessler was still in. Because Kessler was in until USC was up 52 to 9. Yeah, I think so, too. But um, that's when we saw Isaac winning in. And so it's just a concern because it's like, why in a game where everybody's going to be open, really? Yeah. You know, or yeah, yeah. Like, okay, that wasn't the game where you needed to lean on Juju. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a three-receiver offense, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. it, just, it's, it just doesn't make sense to me. But my, my other thing with the third downs, too, is that it might be play calls, because Sark did mention that, I think, uh, as well. And then I think the offensive line... Too, because if you include the first game where they struggled, they haven't shown yet that they're a consistent, solid, you know, unit. I think they will be. I think they have the potential to be really good. But I think at times last year, you, you know, you saw third downs where they couldn't just overpower the opposing defensive line like they would in '05 or those national title seasons and pick up a you know third and two with the run, or they wouldn't get you know they couldn't give yeah. the you know Kessler. All day to look through his options uh, on a on a third and short when they're sending with the other team sending pressure. I think yeah, as that changes, they might have a chance to convert some more of these third downs as well. I agree. I, we might be nitpicking a little bit. They only had three third downs with that first. Yeah, team. And it, that's really good. Of course, I mean, thinking about this, okay, Idaho is pretty much similar to that 2007 Idaho team, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like they're probably the same thing. This USC team beat this, you know, Idaho team by 50. And that USC team in 2007, which ended up, you know, playing on the Rose Bowl, and it was arguably the best team in the country that year, you know, sleepwalked through that game and beat them by 30, I think it was 38. You know, but it, it was a much worse game for that team that ended up being great. So we are nitpicking. Like, USC could be really good. So, you know, we're not saying that they couldn't be. We just, we have, it's our job to look for these concerns and bring them up. Yeah, I think no. they went 38-10. Yeah, so it might have even been closer yeah. than, than what I said. Well, look at that. So there you go. Stanford is ahead this Saturday night at the Coliseum. Adam J. Maya, you know, we're, we'll get to the point spread in just a second because you know I like to go the gambling route. But yeah. how do you think Saturday night, do you think that two back-to-back to open up the season games at the Coliseum, even though they've been, you know, little opponents and blowouts, do you think that'll help them against a team like Stanford coming into this? It's fine. I know you probably want more of a challenge before you get into the conference play, but the fact that they were at home back-to-back weeks and they're going to be home again, I think, is a good, seamless transition. Stanford's going to be more physical. We know that. But it isn't like they're worlds apart from what USC's been dealing with. They're, They're playing football games and I feel like playing back-to-back games, um, it'd be one thing if Stanford was your opener and you had just practice to prepare for that. But playing two games, I think they're going to be fine. Um, what I'm really curious to see is how much they rotate. Stark already said that they're going to rotate less because Stanford is not up-tempo. They're not going to run as many plays. So it makes sense to keep your starters in more. But... Who's playing? There's still some positions there where they've been rotating like crazy because I feel like they want to get people on the field, but now that they won't, 
for instance, rushing, how much will Porter Gustin play? Because right now he's been going with Jabari Ruffin and Scott Felix. So if they're only expecting to defend maybe 65 plays, how much of Porter? I think we're going to see a lot of Porter Gustin. I think he's a guy, you know, Cameron Smith even, even if Lamar Johnson comes back, um, Osama Sina, I think those are guys that they're still going to play a lot, Biggie Marshall, even though they'll be less platooning. So that's one thing to look out for. Um, Ronald Jones, another guy, how many carries would he get if they're not going to run five running backs, but maybe they run three. I think we're going to see a George Jackson break out. He's been kind of quiet. He had that one fly sweep, right? But other than that, can you even remember him from the first two games? It's been like weird stuff where maybe he should have fair caught a punt or on that opening kickoff in the season opener. He probably made a bad decision trying to leap over the entire pile. (laughs) But other than that, he hasn't done a lot. I think he's going to break out. See, we kind of disagree here, Adam. Okay, go for it. I think that there's going to be less rotations. I think you still, you know, you will see some of those those key guys you mentioned, but I think a game that's going to be tighter, you know, for longer. I think, you know, they they're not going to platoon as much. I just don't see. I know they're saying this their I strategy is going to happen. Okay, so we <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Thought we disagreed on that, but I definitely no. I actually so think rotate. All right. All right. Way less rotating. I'm saying way less. I mean, okay, there, okay, there you go. Okay, there you go. But uh I I uh, I think Adore Jackson. They're actually going to use him more conservatively than you think in this game. Um, okay. I think that they're they're going to stick him on defense with the concern of you know Stanford has some guys on the outside that that can cause problems. Uh, you know their receivers definitely aren't their problem right now. I would say, and they're, I think they're going to want Adore Jackson to take care of that. They might try to you know they're going to try to incorporate him into the offense, but Stanford's you know pretty solid defense even though they lost that opening game. I think they're going to key on him, and we might. I think we're going to have to wait one more week to really see Adore Jackson uh, kind of go crazy. But well, I think I on think defense, he's going to make a big impact, as he always says. It's a good indication, maybe, of what they're really going to do because he only played 45 plays last week. He played just a handful in the opener, so he's fresh. And if they're going to maybe... You know, I guess if they're going to encounter only about 60-some-odd plays against Stanford defensively, then he would have the capacity to go 20 plays plus on offense. Yeah. No, I, so I they, can they, see. If they don't do it, then are they going to do it? Because when they're going to play ASU and Arizona, they might be defending 85 plays to 85 to 100. So you... You can't use him full time on defense then, and use him on offense. This is the game to do it. They are going to do it. I just don't think it's his game to break out. I think that Stanford's right. a tough defense. That's like they're going to be focused on him. You know, like I'm not. I'm not saying he's not a great. Right player. now, you can't focus on anybody, but with with Juju and these running backs, and I expect Stephen Mitchell to be involved. You can't focus on a jury. That's kind of the beauty of having them out there regularly. If I think that if he's in there, even for even if it's for twenty plays, 
on 15 above. You have 20 multiple guys. I know it's a lot, but you're not. They know that Adore Jackson's probably the most explosive player, you know, on USC's offense. They're going to make sure Ronald that he's. You got Ronald Jones in the back- backfield. Listen, you got Ronald Jones in the backfield. You have Adore, uh, you know, let's say in the slot, Stephen Mitchell on the perimeter, Juju on the perimeter. I understand. I know what you. I know USC's <laughs> weapons. They, I think they have a great offense. I think yeah. that you know if they do key on a Dory Jackson, there will be other guys open and available. Yeah. I just think that if if I'm the defensive coordinator on the other team, I'm saying, hey, I know they have a lot of good weapons, but I know a Dory Jackson is really really good. Yeah, yeah. Let's make sure he doesn't beat us. That's yeah. what I would say. So that's what I'm just saying. My point was, I don't think it's his game to break out. They might yeah. use him and try to make him break out, but I I could see him tearing up Arizona State, you know, way easier yeah. than Stanford. That's just I think my. they better use him. That's kind of my point. Whether the ball goes to him or he's a decoy, I think they better use him. I love when you guys disagree. That's compelling. I, that's, that's compelling content, as we say in the radio business, when people disagree. So that's good. Yeah. You know, Chris Morales, you've told me that before, and that's the only reason I disagreed with Adam. At all. Well, it was see, just now, for you. now telling people that you're you. disingenuous, that's probably not the best thing to it's, do. It was a joke. I can't joke on the podcast. I can't make a joke. You can, but uh, oh, no, never mind. Chris. Okay. You, you're just very laid back. I, I still think you're tired no, I, from Saturday night's game. You, uh, There's rumors that you fell asleep in the press box, so you sound very <laughs> laid back. You may still be asleep, I think. Uh, it's, it's early for me. Still. It's not a rumor either. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Adam, don't tell him that. Yeah. Prediction time, and I will open it up because we will talk about early uh, spreads look like minus 11, so 11 points. Do you guys think, and we'll go to Crispy Swanson first, that it will be a tight game at all? Or do you think that 11 might actually be a little conservative? You know, I think it's going to be a tight game through uh, two and a half quarters. I think that <laughs> that Stanford... You know, they have a good defense. They're going to hold USC down and bottle them up for a while. But um, I'm not sold on, on uh, you know, Stanford's offense at all. Northwestern kind of beat them up and, and shut them down. I think USC will eventually just score because Stanford can't move the ball and keep up with them. And I think in, in the fourth quarter, they're going to pull away and make the score look ugly. But Stanford's a competent team in the Pac-12. So for a few quarters, so it's going to be close. Are they covering? No. I, I think, no, I think USC does cover. I think they okay, win 35-21. 35-21, okay. okay. Adam J. Maya? Yeah, I'm not going to give a score prediction. I'm saving that for my 10-fold column at the end of the week. But I will tell you that I do believe they'll cover. And I don't agree with Chris again because that would be very new for USC to pull away late. They don't do that. They actually come out guns a-blazing, usually. And... Either it will be a tie game all the way through, or it won't. And I expect USC to have a big first half. Not that they're going to win by 40, but I think that they'll take a comfortable lead. And whether they maintain it is always the the question. But I expect them to cover this thread and to come out not in a tie game. And I think that they'll establish themselves early. Adam, why? What's the reason you feel like that? I, I agree with you that USC hasn't been able to pull away lately. Uh, there seems to be recently, a mindset. But what is the reason? Well, you think it's a mindset. a mindset in the first half um, with the play calling and 
the initiative to jump out ahead. See, I think it's I think that they're more aggressive. I think you're right they get that later. they they do get conservative later. I think that's when they're ahead though. When they're ahead right. big. I yeah. think that if they're not ahead big, they we've also seen them lose in the fourth quarter. Um, and yeah. in my opinion it's it's been a part to do with depth. I'm gonna say coaching takes a role too. But I think it had you know, guys have been tired. I think that, that that nobody can argue that in the past. That might continue. I think they still probably do have some depth issues, but I think that in a game against Stanford, they're gonna look like they have a lot of depth because there's so, not as many snaps. And yeah, I think you're that, saying like okay, basically if you go back to last year, right? You're saying that this game could mimic the Utah game then, is what you're saying. Where I'm kind of saying they're in a tight game. And then it can go either way. It's it's going to be a tight game that can go either way until St- Stanford can't score. They just can't continue to score because they can't score. Oh, the Stanford game. Like, yeah, that's what yeah, the Stanford game. Exactly. It's like Stanford yeah. USC last year, except USC pulls away at the end because they have more depth and they make the score look uglier. That's kind of what I'm saying. That's yeah. that's sort of how I feel. That's why I said 35 to 21. I see it being like, you know. Like twenty eight, twenty one in the third, and then USC like throws an extra touchdown up there, and Stanford can't respond or something like that. Yeah. You know? When you're talking about depth, you're probably talking about the defense. I yes. look at the running backs. They had really no depth last year. You have an excellent back in Buck Allen, and you had Justin Davis, who wasn't there yet. He wasn't hundred percent. He didn't have it all put together. Now they are loaded. They. They have the best backfield in the Pac-12. And they yeah. can run their offense so much differently because of that. I Well, yeah, I, I think they do have I think they do have the best backfield, too. I mean, Trey Madden is... He, I don't know how much they're going to use him throughout the season because it seems to me like they're kind of like conserving him a little bit. So I, But, um, you know, he's a big physical guy that can do a lot of different things, too. He's like a versatile, bigger guy. And then Justin Davis... You know, they have like a lot of guys that that can just do everything. I feel like you know, yeah. like three or four, and then Dom Davis is like that that like weapon that they haven't had before. That kind of like oh, he can go anytime. And Ronald Jones is like that too, as we talked about. It's just a different right. feel. Yeah, and the, so even that's that, why I expect the offense to you know, impose their will throughout the game. I tell you, I like that twenty-eight uh, twenty-one score you mentioned, Chris P. Swanson. But I like it for Stanford, and a, and a final. By the way, I think oh, the, the points wow. that you guys have made are great points about maybe Kessler looking to uh, to just Juju. I think they might get caught off guard. I'm going to take I'm going to take a little Stanford action. That's just me, not for gambling wow. purposes, just entertainment purposes. Whatever. <laughs> you know, I d- and by the way, I did say 35-21 U.S. Your final, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you mentioned twenty eight twenty one after three quarters. All right, you're a hater. You're I'm not a hater. A hater. I just, yeah, I, I just think that this could be where they get caught off guard. Contrarian. Two, co- just, two very confident games. They're not spreading the offense. To Adam J. Maya's point, I just want to, yeah. just want to throw it out there. Speaking I of just, Adam J. Maya, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Get ready for the message board. That's all I'm trying to. to That's help what we're trying. You with. Well, as you pointed out, we're just trying to stir it up. I don't mind. I'll okay. take a little message board love all right. or Do hate. Do it, man. Do it. <laughs> Adam J. Maya. Yeah. Not a contrarian. He also has a lot of bumper stickers in his uh, briefcase there, and he's ready to give one out. We cue the uh, Adam J. Maya Bumper Sticker Award, the horn and the music, and take it away, my friend. All right. 
This one's going to Juju Smith-Schuster. I gotta respect the full name there. Juju is better than we thought. And we thought he was really good. I did not know that he was going to be in the next line of great USC receivers. I thought he'd be very good. I thought he would be more um, Kerry Colbert. But I see him now following up with... Yeah, even though Snaggler to me kind of is on the, the edge of that. I don't. I didn't put him at the level of Marquis Sweet and Robert Woods. Anyway, I think Juju can get there. He's not there yet, of course, but last weekend, 10 catches, 192 yards, two touchdowns in the first half. He looked like Calvin Johnston in high school. And I know this is Idaho, but Juju has become an all-around player, and my favorite part is he backed it up. And what I mean by that is earlier in the week, he had a little run-in with Isaac Whitney, Isaac had missed a blocking assignment. Juju got on him, and he kind of smacked him in the face, which, I don't know, I thought he was a bit out of line. But Isaac came back and said after the fact that he thought he deserved it. You know, he didn't like it, but he knew that he has to be held accountable. And Juju's that guy. He's a sophomore. He's 18 years old. I know we always say that, but it's astounding sometimes the, the leadership that emanates from him. And all eyes are on him, as I wrote, and the locker room looks to him, and they follow him, and they listen to him, and they watch him. And he was the best player in the field on Saturday night. And so, Juju, the bumper sticker award, and uh, I don't know how good he's going to be, but he's better than I thought. He's like a mini Mike Williams, in a way. Yeah. It's like... He's not going to do all the stuff with the fades and, you know, all that. But he's, right. he's just, he's a physical presence outside that I think they haven't really had in a, in a while. Explosive. Yeah. That's true. He's he, different. He's different than a lot of guys that they've had out there that, you know, playing that same position, those bigger receivers. So, it's fun a- to watch. After the catch, after the, see, okay, like where him and Nelson are similar, after the catch, they're so good. The first guy is not going to bring him down. And Juju is deceptively fast, and he can break a lot of tackles. And he has like a, a tenacity where he doesn't want to go down, and he wants to extend every play, and he has good ball security. Fumbling hasn't been an issue. So I just think he's so well-rounded. Very good. Adam J. Myers bumper sticker award goes to Juju. We wonder who it'll go to next week. I guess we'll have to see how that game goes. Speaking of ball security, you know who's got good ball security, Adam J. Maya? I'm afraid that... Chris P. Swanson, and he's going to talk some recruiting. He's also got another interview. We're going to get to that. We've also got questions from the message board. Did that offend you, Adam? I'm sorry. I'm good. Okay. Uh, We continue along in moments. The Trojansports.com podcast on this Victory Monday continues next. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. Hey, you want to increase your brain power? Be smarter? Improve your memory and focus? Well, there is a new brain supplement called Mental Bright, made with ingredients that naturally enhance your mental abilities. Mental Bright is so confident in their formula that if you try it and it doesn't work, they'll write you a check for 10% more than you paid for it. That's a 110% money back guarantee. Mental Bright's ingredients are 
scientifically proven to work. Go to mentalbright.com to start improving your brain abilities today. To brighten your mind, go to mentalbright.com. Back on the TrojanSports.com podcast, I'm Chris Morales. Adam J. Maya, Chris B. Swanson with us as always. Your Monday addiction has to be this podcast, especially football season. Of course, go to TrojanSports.com. Best USC coverage you can. And, and part of that is when Chris P. Swanson, when there is a recruiting item and a recruiting story, like the development with Jackie Jones last week, we get to the heart of it. Right, Chris P. Swanson? Yeah, we do. Uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of what I try to do anyway. Uh, yeah, Jackie, uh, kind of, I, I kind of, you know, waltzed on to Long Beach Poly's campus to get a nice little interview with him for the podcast, uh, and he and he kind of dropped a bombshell. You know, he said that uh, UCLA, Texas A&M, and uh, Michigan are standing out to him. He has some official visits planned too. Uh, add Florida in there, but uh, those three schools are standing out to him more than USC. And uh, yeah, let's give it a listen right now. Did you really waltz? Yeah, I do. I do, Waltz. Oh, okay. I do. Okay, here's that uh, audio right now. Backwards. We're joined now on the Trojansports.com podcast by Long Beach Poly's superhero, Jackie Jones. Jackie, how are you? I'm good. Good, man. Great to have you on the show. I'm going to put you in a little bit of a pressure cooker here, ask you some difficult questions. Uh, first, official visits. Last time I talked to you, Michigan was the one you were thinking about. Anything new going on with officials? Uh, I'm taking one in Michigan, Texas A&M, Florida, and that's it right now. That's what I can think of. Okay. Uh, why those three? What's standing out about those schools? Uh, just the love. Florida, Florida is DBU. So I just want to go there and check that out. Texas A&M, they show me love. They pass the ball. That's what I like. So go there and check that out, see what it's like. And Michigan, I just, you know you know my, how I feel about them. On a scale from 1 to 10, how likely is it, do you think, that you end up as a Trojan? Everybody thinks you're leaning there. So what do you put it on a scale from 1 to 10? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I can't say. I mean, if I had to take a wild guess, it would be like out of 10, maybe like a 3. Is that just because you're open to so many schools right now? Uh, no, just because they don't really have my attention. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking at Michigan, Texas A&M, UCLA. Uh-huh. Why doesn't USC have your attention right now? Uh, I can't. I can't really say. I mean, I mean, just those three schools I just named just standing out to me. There you go, Crispy Swanson waltzing. And getting the uh, coverage there with Jackie Jones very nicely done. Yeah, um, so I don't really know what to make of of, uh, of this Jackie Jones interview as I waltz backwards into my seat here uh, from the from my quick break there. Uh, Jackie is a, a guy that I think likes to to kind of you know be in the shadows a little bit and and not really let people know what's going on. I remember you know back in uh, the beginning of the year I was in Las Vegas for the pylon event. And he told me that he had a top five and USC wasn't in it. And then just weeks later, all of a sudden, he didn't have a top list and, you know, the Trojans were being considered again. So I'm not sure. I think USC is still in it for Jackie Jones. But, you know, if he's saying that three schools are standing out to him more, I kind of have to take his word for it, you know, until something else happens and USC's back in it again. What do you think, Adam? Well, well, I mean, USC and Jackie are definitely not waltzing. It's been weird for a while. People are making comparisons to 
the recruitment of Juju and Biggie, I don't really think that's what's happening here. I think it's odd that Jackie continually tells you that USC is not really a player. I, I It's more than a game. It, it just seems like there's some bad blood there. Like, like there's something, there's some friction or, you know, I mean, remember USC didn't visit him um, during that, that spring evaluation period and he didn't come to campus and there's been a lot of distance. He did visit campus recently and then they were at that Narbonne game like in full force. In full effect, no, right. No, So it's been very choppy and who knows what's happening behind the scenes. But I don't think that Jackie's outright lying. I, I feel like there's something up that has turned him off. It could be the case. Um, I, it's just so interesting. And, you know, because it has seemed like he's, you know, USC's been in it for him for a while. And they have that Long Beach Poly connection. And they've been scoring there, you know, like pretty much getting everybody they want in recent years. Uh, there is a difference between how he's approaching it and how you know Juju Smith-Schuster and, and Imam Marshall did. I know people have made that comparison. So that you know Marshall and, and Smith-Schuster never said they weren't like as right. interested in USC. As yeah, they never like counted them out the way yeah. Zach Jones had. I don't know. We'll see though. I mean, for all we know, he could be on campus next week. You know, he could be slapping hands with everybody and, and they're back, you know, back to even. He also said that he didn't have a top list, official top list yet, but it is concerning, I think, when he does say, hey, like, these schools are standing out more and one of them, you know, is your crosstown yeah. rival. I, I was told a while back from somebody that knows him pretty well that he wanted to take it all the way to the end. And so... That is something that Juju and Biggie did. And if he's going to play it like that, then USC is always uh, a real candidate. I guess that's all I can really say. Very good. How about some other recruiting stuff, Chris P. Swanson, from the Idaho game? Yeah, let's jump, well, let's jump right into it. Uh, the, I would say the usual suspects visited for the Idaho game. You know, it's not a big game. It's not like Stanford where they're going to have uh, some more guys there. We saw, you know, Tyler Vaughn's. Uh, Thomas Graham, C.J. Pollard walking around in the tunnels. Uh, you know, the 2018 Oaks Christian quarterback, though, Matt uh, Coral was the new guy there. Adam Gorney had an update on him recently that was on uh, TrojanSports.com. Uh, next week is going to be much bigger, of course, and uh, we'll have updates soon from some of these out-of-state guys that are going to visit. I know Justin Rowland told me that he got Janarius Robinson, the Florida State commit, who's been talking with us uh, for a while about his interest in USC. Uh, he, he might visit for the Stanford game. Justin Rowland will have an update up soon. Also, Texas safety, Deontay Anderson. Um, also, just a quick note, as I talked to Theo Howard recently, uh, I said on the podcast that he was going to commit in September. He told me that he will now commit in November and take official visits. Look out for USC there as uh, it's pretty much USC-UCLA battle, although, you know, now some of these other schools he's going to visit might be in it. I, I feel like there was something that happened on Saturday that was indirectly um, for Howard. They played Deontay Burnett. They burned that red shirt. And I've maintained all along that USC's going to bring in five receivers at least. And I feel like they played Burnett 
to kind of clear more space. It's a it's goodwill, right? Like, hey, we play our freshmen. We're not redshirting him. But on top of that, there's nobody now in that class with the incoming freshmen. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they do have to clear some room, I think, because also, you know, they have some other receivers, too. Uh, interest is not just Theo Howard. I mean, Freddie Swain's going to take an official visit as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, that, um, that's a good point. I don't really see much of a reason to play Deontay Burnett his freshman year unless you're just trying to, you know, keep things moving. Although they are platooning, I guess. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they're spreading out the classes. Yeah, Deontay's good. I mean, I, yeah, he hopefully, is. Hopefully, he plays because he can contribute. But I feel like that was more of a, you know, there, there were other intentions there. Yeah, well, I uh, could totally see that. Um, you know, where USC maybe should be registering some guys, although I might catch flack for saying this, is uh, in the defensive backfield because you know they don't have very many commits right now. Uh, although. They do have, you know, a good chance that a couple other guys like Lamar Jackson and maybe Jackie Jones who might be just lying to me straight up. <laughs> but uh, sorry about that. Uh, Jordan Parker, though, uh, interesting development with him uh, going up on the on the Trojan Sports uh, website as soon as possible. Um, you know, he and USC haven't been having too much contact. The, uh, the Trojans have been recruiting him uh, through his family. So... We'll see how that goes. Uh, he might still consider USC, but that's just an interesting development that you can check out. There's a full update on. He Trojan would say he's probably not coming, right? I, I mean, it, yeah. If you can't, cool. if you're having trouble talking, you know, talking to him personally, and you're going yeah. through the family, probably. But full update on TrojanSports.com. Uh, you'll get much more info on that and feel much more dialed in. So go check that out and subscribe. If you don't subscribe. Um, also, Jordan Elliott, I finally got him on the phone recently, uh, which has been quite a journey, and I think for most uh, most of us in this industry, trying to get him on the phone. USC, though, is a dream school for him, is what he said. He's going to take three official visits. USC's one of them, coming after the season. So, you know, they might be adding another big-time defensive lineman. Uh, the staff has said that he's the next Leonard Williams. So that's a, you know, that's a big compliment. They need some more depth along the defensive line. I think you'd agree with that, Adam. So, you know, look out for what happens after that visit. There's a lot more on Elliot too, not only in that article, but uh, in a recent wartime weekly on the website. Uh, we also have updates on, uh, you know, basketball and baseball because we're Trojansports.com sports underlined uh not just football is your point not just football chris morales reading into what i'm saying man uh you know we have an update on deanthony melton he's a 2016 guard from crespi who officially visited usc this weekend full uh scouting report on him from his high school coach and you know uh update on everything that uh has been taking place with him in usc so check that out and also USC's latest baseball commitment, a 2017 prospect from Long Beach Poly, Javon Ward, tells us that he prefers going the college route instead of, you know, before going to the pros, and that the money would have to be life-changing before uh, he Which would it might be. choose. Well, it might be, because he's actually really good. Yeah, but a big time. It, but just so you know, it would have to be life-changing for him to choose the pros over USC. So maybe USC adds an instant impact player. You know, pretty soon. And uh, what, in what would be life changing money for you? Uh, thirty dollars an hour. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. That was a joke. No. Um, 
for me, I think an education is incredibly important. And I know that uh, most, on, uh, most of our subscribers agree with that point of view. So I would always say, you know, go to college. But, you know, if it is the type of money that is going to, you know, take you and your family out of, you know, put, put yourselves in a better situation than you could ever imagine. And you could always go back and get your degree. You know, if you're dedicated to going back and getting it, which I know some people say they are and they don't do it. You know, I would say go to college. That'd be my advice. But yeah, if you're the number one pick, have you ever played baseball before? No. Okay. Not like not. I mean, like I've played baseball, but not like you know, not like you know. The hardest thing you'll ever do. Oh, I know. No, after marriage. Well, Chris P. Swanson won't be doing marriage, so let's just keep it to baseball. That's that's true. Um, I understand, and I get that. Like you, you destroy your body if you play certain positions like very easily. You know, in baseball, so I get it. You know, I understand the position of uh, of take the money, and uh, you know, I probably would too, honestly, if I if I knew <laughs> okay. that I was at that spot, and you know, it might not happen again. But I'm just trying to point out that you know, I think education is important, and that's all I want sure. to say. Well, very okay. good. There we go. A message almost as important as the dare message is Crispy Swanson <laughs> saying education is important. I know. School is good, kids. What was on the Animal House statue? That's what I'm trying to remember. Referencing another movie that Adam Maya hasn't seen. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about, Chris Morales? No, you, you even blew me away with the Animal House oh, reference. Wow. I apologize. School is good. I think that's what it was. So Animal House fans, I hope I got that right. I'm glad that you worked in a movie because I figured football season we wouldn't work in any movie references. That was sort of no, a summertime thing. No, no. Adam, you, you got a movie reference? Just throw it in. That's what we do. That's like a shtick of ours. Um, Leon's looking large. You've seen Airplane. No, I haven't. I just. Oh, uh, yeah, I can tell because you butchered it, so. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. There we go. All right, time for questions from the message board. How about it, kids? Yeah, I'm ready. We cue the music and we go. It looks like one of. Yeah, let's uh, do it. I'm ready. Adam J. Maya, I think, is paying some of these guys because there's a lot of Adam J. Maya love on here. I don't know. He might be spreading a little of that uh, that Trojan sports money across the It's just the in planet. comparison to me. It's just they, they've they seen my work. They've seen Adam's work. Our old friend Nick from Cyprus. What are they going to do? I mean, you got to love Adam. Uh, Trojan fan 68, Nick from Cyprus, starts off with sup. Chris Swanson out of Maya. Doesn't want to say hi to me, I guess. That's okay. So I was at the game live and in full effect with my fellow Trojan fans on Armed Forces Appreciation Day, which I served to go Army. Was that Saturday? I guess it was. Yeah. So a few quick quick observations through week two. USC has improved on its O-line play. Offense couldn't be stopped. Defense gave up nine points in two games. Fosh have been money. One glaring issue. Here we go. D-line needs to improve. Big picture, Oregon and ASU proved they are soft and overrated in big games. Question... What grade would you give the team after week two? Who's the MVP of this team, well, and what are your thoughts going forward from our two scrimmages to uh, two tough teams we play next, Stanford and ASU? Why don't you guys uh, take it there? I, I wouldn't give you an A because you're like Ron Burgundy reading off a teleprompter. <laughs> you just read everything he wrote, even when it was wrong. I love it. Okay. What was he wrong about? Uh, well, he, he wrote Fosh. He meant Frosh, and, and you said Fosh. Did I say Fosh? Like, what, oh. like, if you knew what Fosh meant and then you were saying it. Well, I should have said Frosh. I apologize. Yeah. Good, um, Good thing he didn't say anything about San Diego. <laughs> okay. Um, MVP of the team, Cody Kessler. Quarterback is still the toughest position in sports. 
And while we've tried to offer a constructive criticism, he's still been great. And that would be my MVP. I feel like he's been the, the most impactful player from game one and two. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I agree with you. It's a... Uh... I think it has to be Cody Kessler. You just look at yeah. the numbers and how many touchdowns he scored, and you know they kind of had their way with these first two teams offensively. It, it has to be him. He's the leader of the offense, and he has super impressive numbers right now. Nobody can say anything differently. So yeah, he's uh, he's MVP for me. I know we answered some of the other questions here earlier, but in terms of a, a grade, I would give him a B plus. I go high on it because. They did what they were supposed to do. I mean, what were they supposed to win 80 to 8? And they didn't. So I'm going to mark them down. Not really. I mean, again, I feel like the offensive line was concerning in game one. And that was a real thing. And then in game two, maybe they didn't get off the field as quick as they should have defensively. But they gave up, I can't even, what, 15 points. And they scored. My math is bad right now. Big score. Help me out here. <laughs> 115, I believe, right? 59. 105? 100, oh, yeah, 105. There you go. All right, no. 114, guys. 114, sorry. Yeah. I, I didn't even know the total. Let's go 114 to 15. Yeah. A-. A-. Well, I, don't change it to A-, because that's what I was going to say. I was going to say A-. Right. B-. Plus. Well, for me, this it's like... You can, the only complaint I, I can really come up with uh, is is the offensive line in game one because it was yeah. it was apparent that they were struggling. For me, all these other things that we've talked about are slight concerns. You look at the, the conversions, I think Steve Sarkeesian kind of took care of that when he said, hey, look, it was 0 for 3, and then these two plays, like, we basically like either could have converted one and the other one we did. So they're like two for three. You know, I'm not concerned about that yet. Right. The pass rush, I feel like if you're Idaho or Arkansas State and you're game planning for a team like USC, you're saying, let's make sure our quarterback doesn't get killed by their 300-pound defensive lineman. That's the biggest mismatch on the field. Quick passes, rollouts. You know, they're trying to prevent sacks. So I'm not sure that I'm really concerned about the pass rush yet. Um, so just the offensive line, and that's where I knock them down from A plus to A minus for me. All right. All right, we move on. Braxton Family X four with a question at the rush end spot: Who has played the best? Not who you think projects out in the future, but first two games, who has done the best job? Port Augustine had a so so debut, and then he played really well. I thought he was arguably the the best defensive player for USC on Saturday. He's one of them for sure. So it's hard to say one guy because, you know, they they weren't consistent. But I thought Jabari's been fine. I thought Scott Felix has been good. Maybe it's Felix. But I, I, I don't take, even know if it matters. I would take Scott Felix. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's He's been starting, so he's, you know, he's playing the minutes that matter really for the most part, because, you know, by the time you get all of these other guys to play more regularly and he's on the sidelines, it's already decided, you know? Um, so I, that stands out to me, the fact that USC continues 
just to start him. And I haven't seen him make any mistakes. I've seen him make some solid plays. And yeah, I, I just for right now, because Porter Gustin's young and a freshman, I'm just leaning towards Felix until you know something drastic. Yeah, will be telling, right? Yes. They're they're a running team, and like I like we said, they're not going to rotate as much. How much does Porter Gustin play? That will be telling. And if he does play, it will also really be telling of how he plays because he's a freshman. He's going to dominate these first two teams just because he's a super freshman. You know, he's like way bigger than any of these other guys. And Stanford, he'll actually have to know what he's doing to, to yeah. you know, make an impact. Well, very good. We move on. Our old friend Shooter McGavin, 22. Uh, he says we've been doing a great job on the podcast. Thank you, Shooter McGavin. Here's Thank the question. You. Not trying to sound down about a 10-catch, 200-yard performance, but I was wondering if you guys could see Cody focusing in on Juju too much, which I know we've talked about, this year going forward as he did with Nelson last year. Both are studs, no doubt, but with other weapons, and he names off some, Co- will, do you think Cody will double down on one guy again this year, which might stall our offense in big games? Juju sounding off on how he is still open in double coverage last week is giving me cause for concern. Also, Adam... He might, Shooter might be a gambling man. Do the Niners have a shot tonight against, uh, on Monday Night Football? Okay, well, I'll go to the Juju question. I would be concerned, too. They were basically playing catch. So it's really hard to tell. When Juju's open by 30 yards, Cody better throw it to him, right? And he did, and he got it there, and he was accurate. And he just he led the offense so well. They accumulated 700 yards. So... Maybe we're being too critical to point out the fact that he threw half his passes to Juju Smith. But because it's, his, it's been his tendency to do that with a receiver, I think it's a big deal. And I want to see what happens on third downs and just throughout the game in general. And I think that I think that's why you got to put Adori in the game more and make Cody make more decisions. I feel like in these first two games, he probably didn't have to make a lot because it was so available for him to go to Juju. So Stafford, I think, will we'll challenge him and we'll see if Cody's actually grown in this area. I think it's a big concern. Uh, I think that the difference between Cody Kessler and, you know, all the other quarterbacks that USC's had since Carson Palmer or, you know, became Carson Palmer and figured it out at the end of his career is the ball distribution issue and winning big games. And I think that they might even tie, hand, you know, together. Although I don't, yeah. I think that it's always kind of unfair to, to sort of throw all these wins on quarterbacks, you know, when USC obviously doesn't have the same kind of teams, at least in recent history, as they did in some of those other years when they had Matt Leinert and Mark Sanchez or whatever else. But when you do focus so much on one receiver, which I think you did last year, and then you don't beat UCLA and you don't beat you know Notre Dame a couple of years or these other big games, and you see these huge stats coming out of games like Colorado and Cal where you know there's big mismatches and you right. kind of can't lose, it makes you wonder if Cody Kessler is what USC has had at quarterback in the past. Um, and I think that you're right. Stanford will be a game, and there will be many other games on the schedule where we will find that out. Because honestly, USC's offensive line should probably grow into be something really good. And if they do that, you look at the rest of the offense, and they're loaded. They're as loaded on offense as they have been in many of those years that they you know, won Rose Bowls, competed for national yeah. titles. 
So Kessler better do something special with it, I think, is kind of yeah. the stand he's looking at right now. USC is at its best when you don't know where they're going to go. You can't guard them. The, the opponent cannot guard them when they don't know what USC is going to do. And that was an issue in 2012 with Parkley and Marquis Sweet. And it kind of lingered over the last few years with the quarterback and his favorite receiver. So, how about the prediction for tonight? Uh, The Niners have become the Raiders. And it it really saddens me. (laughs) I, I might get emotional here, but they've fallen apart. And so, I don't even care about tonight the way that I normally would. I'm more interested in the Giants finishing out their season, even though they're not going to make the playoffs. I I, I care more about who's going to win the uh, the NL Cy Young. You know, I think it should be Kershaw, by the way. But um, I I love the NFL, but I just I, I don't even have a prediction for the Niners. I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay. It just kind of, uh, it, does it upset you too? Does it upset you too that one of the Niners' rivals are going to move to LA and get a fancy new stadium eventually, and probably, <laughs> you know, become yeah. a real threat to them every year? No, I, yeah. I like them in San Francisco, but they—they they were such a, a proud franchise that stood for excellence. And I'm not saying they should move, Adam. I'm saying, yeah. does it upset you that somebody's going to move into a nice stadium and attract all these free agents and you know start beating no. them all the no, time? No, I don't okay. Care. Okay, I'm just talking a little trash. I'm sorry. Yeah, a little chippy. Yeah. It's getting a little chippy. I didn't even get it. I didn't even realize you were doing that. I, I could tell it was bad trash talk. That's just right away. <laughs> this is, when I opened my mouth, I was like, this isn't going to work. I should have just said I'm a yo-ho my joke. I'm over here. And you're like, you know, I like to rain on your parade. It's like when UCLA goes like 2 and 10. It's how USC fans react to that. They're not nice to them, you know. Yeah. Well, they don't deserve it. Kind of uh, kick them in the butt a little bit. I kick you in the butt. Well, okay. Jeez, show show your true colors, huh? Why not? Ah, the true colors. Yeah. The Trojansports.com podcast is a final uh, for week two. We will see what happens against Stanford Saturday night, and you will join us next Monday for all the recaps. We'll have your coverage, and we'll see how we did, huh, boys? Did we win by 50? We did no? last Saturday. I don't know if okay. this Saturday I'm will be the same. I'm saying for the podcast, did we win by 50? No, no we, we didn't. I don't even think we covered we the spread. No, we didn't. Dude, we lost. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think we covered the spread. Anyway, um, <laughs> Trojansports.com, of course, the best <laughs> USC coverage out there. The rivals site for the USC Trojans. And follow them on Twitter, at Chris P. Swanson, at Adam J. Maya. Boys, enjoy your week, and we will talk to you next Monday right here at the Trojansports.com podcast. Out. What a shame that a few bad apples have to spoil a good time for everyone by breaking the rules. <laughs>